0: Here's Pastor Scott. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ. From the dead. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled Biblical Baptism is a Visual Illustration. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come out today. God, I pray that you'd speak to us from your word. God, I pray you'd teach us sound doctrine today. Lord, I ask you to anoint my mind, Lord, my mouth to say the things that would honor you. God, we come together in your name. We gather together to celebrate resurrection. We come together by faith, believing that you are real and that you desire to speak to us, God. So I pray that you would give us listening ears and open hearts, God. Teach us what you want us to know now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about baptism this morning. And the reason I want to talk to you about baptism is uh, manifold. It's because I want... A lot of people to get baptized next Sunday. And because the Bible commands us to learn sound doctrine. There is a lot of confusion, even in the body of Christ, about this subject of baptism. And God has commanded us to study his word. And in one passage, it says to rightly divide the word of truth. Many of you have heard this example before, but I want everyone to understand (coughs) The best way, boy, the devil's messing with my throat. Y'all pray for me. I want everybody to understand the best way to study Scripture. This, the Bible says to rightly divide it. There's a lot of Bible. There's Old Testament. There's New Testament. 1,189 chapters It's a big book. But you got to take it and separate it and put the pieces in the right place because it all fits together. I've told you it's like a puzzle. Good puzzle. See, if, I told, if there's more than four pieces, I really don't care about doing your puzzle. Six, maybe eight is my maximum. I'm not messing around with no 2,000-piece puzzle, all right? These people get these 10,000-piece puzzles, have their whole dining room table messed up for a week while they're working on a puzzle. A whole big scenery, this whole corner all green. I don't know how you figure that out, but I do know how to get started with it. The first thing you want to do when you open up that puzzle and you dump the pieces out on the table, you want to get what first? The corners, the edges, the end pieces, you separate that thing out so you can begin to cause it to make sense. We've got to take the Bible in little bitty pieces and digest it and cause it to make sense. There's a lot of people that don't understand sound doctrine, and I want you to understand biblical baptism this morning. We're coming into a special week. For our Jewish friends, uh, this Wednesday at sundown begins Rosh Hashanah. It's the Jewish New Year, which will be followed by Yom Kippur. You say, Pastor, are we trying to get Jewish? Nope, not at all. There's a lot of confusion in Christianity today with an a forced intermingling of Judaism and Christianity. We've had people come into our church before who are wearing tassels off their belt loops and tassels off their hair and want to blow a shofar and wear a prayer shawl and do all these different types of things that is a part of Jewish religion. We're not part of the Jewish religion. We're part of Christianity. The five people said amen. But we love the Jewish people. If you can't say amen to that, you can't be Christian because Jesus is a Jew. Uh, And and, and we're not commanded to keep all the Jewish festivals. We're not commanded. Acts 15 tells us we don't have to follow Jewish laws to follow Christ. But uh, Colossians 2.16 says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths when people say, well, why do you go to church on Sunday and not Saturday? Saturday was the Jewish Sabbath, and why why do you go to church on Wednesday and not Tuesday? We could make it easy and just go to church every day. <laughs> Attendance would go down. But the Bible says that we don't have to keep these, these holidays. We don't have to keep these holy days. We, we're not bound by these things. We have freedom in Jesus Christ, and even though we're not commanded to keep these festivals or these holy days, we are commanded to love the people of Israel. We are commanded to bless the nation of Israel. I want to warn you and caution you. I, I brought this up. God put it in my spirit to do so because if you're telling racial jokes, you got problems with God. Because God loves all people, red, yellow, black, white. God God does not play favorite based on color. I was hoping for some active listening today. But God does have a special people, the people of the nation of Israel. So be careful what you say about Jewish people. You might think that you're just being uh, funny and telling jokes. I want to tell you something racially charged humor is not funny at all. So you need to be careful when you talk about people because God loves people. You especially need to be careful when you talk about Jewish people. Listen, it is so hilarious to me. I have seen white people who were twisted in their mind racist and believed that they were the real Jews. White Americans are not the real Jews. Jews are the real Jews. I've seen black people twisted in their mind and racially motivated to say black people are the real Jews. Let me say this on the other side of the pulpit. Black people are not Jews. Black people are black people. And Jews are Jews. Listen, we don't have to be Jewish to be awesome. But we need to bless the nation of Israel. Let's pray for God's people, Israel. God, we love you. And we love your son, Jesus Christ. We, we, we thank you for accepting us, God. We thank you for reaching down and pulling us out of the gutter, God, saving us from every background. Lord, we pray right now for Netanyahu, God. We pray right now for Israel, Lord. We pray right now for your people, God, that you bring peace to your people and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't tell ra- racist jokes. Don't, 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 don't step on people that God loves. And who does God love? Everybody. Make sure that you are living up to what we say as Christians, that we love God and we love people. People come in all shapes and in all sizes. But what I found out in over 54 years of being on this planet, uh, and the bottom line, we, we, we all bleed red. And we all have a heart. We all have ears that can hear what you're saying about us. And we all have eyes that can see what you're really about. So let's learn how to love God and love people. We want to look at the subject of baptism this morning, though, because baptism is an important part of the Christian faith. It's a visual illustration. It's a lived-out sermon. It's something that you can see that's designed to preach something to your spirit. It's much like the Lord's Supper in that way. Jesus taught a message through a visual illustration with the Lord's Supper And baptism is something that we can see that we can get sound doctrine from. But we've been talking all of 2017 about getting serious about getting healthy in five different areas of our life. I wonder if you're getting healthy spiritually, financially, emotionally, relationally, or physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. That's all five. I wonder if you've gotten any better in 2017 than you were in 2016. Here's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to procrastinate. He wants you to say, well, as soon as so-and-so happens, I'm going to get serious about my health. As soon as I get past this next, listen, there's always a next thing to slow you down. And I believe the easiest one of these five areas to get healthy in is the most important one, and that's spiritually. It's going to take you a while to get in shape, Physically, I didn't get to 215 pounds overnight, and I'm not going to trim back down to 151 overnight. Let's just be honest. I'm never going to trim back down to 151. I, already t- I told y'all I still got my, my all-white Levi's Buttonfly 501 jeans. I don't know. I don't know that I'm ever going to be a 29 waist again. But I look good in them white jeans. I should let them go, though. I understand that. We got to get healthy. Say healthy. Spiritually, it's easier to get spiritually healthy because that can happen that fast. You can get spiritually healthy that quick. You can go from being totally jacked up spiritually to being perfectly right with God if you will set your mind to it just in a moment. We're all one prayer away from being who God wants us to be, but after we get through that one prayer, there are things that we need to do to really live out what God has called us. Jesus had a group of people following him when he was in his earthly ministry here, and they were acting like they loved him, but they weren't doing what he was telling them to do. Boy, the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're, we're thousands of miles away from where Jesus did earthly ministry. We're Thousands of years away from where Jesus did earthly ministry. But we are still in large part a group of people claiming to love him, claiming to follow him without doing what he says. Jesus had a very specific word for people like that in Luke 6, 46. Look on the screen, see what the Bible says. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Now, Jesus used a lot of rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is when someone asks a question that the answer is obvious to and they don't really expect a reply. That's like when you ask your kid, boy, do you really want me to knock your head off right now? Well, I'm pretty sure he doesn't, uh, <laughs> but and I don't really want any answer at that point. When Jesus said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? If you've been around for a while, you've learned some things about the Bible. And one thing that we've seen about the Bible is this double enunciation. When there's a name called back-to-back in Scripture, it's usually doing one of two things. It's either creating a covenant or it's implying intimacy. They, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He didn't just use one Lord, he used two because in the Hebrew culture, that signified intimacy. It's kind of like when you call your significant other Sugar Pie, Honey Bunch. And you you got more than one name there. It, it's create, He didn't just say, "Why do you call me Lord?" Because anybody could say that. But he said, "Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Why why do you keep acting like you're close to me when you're not? Why do you keep telling people that you're following me when you're not? Well, what determines?" our followership of God, just by calling him Lord or by doing what he says. Well, that just condemned everybody in the room. That just left us all deficient. You say, well, I don't want to go to a church that tells me I'm deficient. You need a new religion. You need a religion that will lie to you and tell you that you're already perfect. That's not Christianity. What Christianity says is because we're not perfect, God sent his perfect son for us to pay for our sins so we don't have to die and go to hell. So we're following a perfect God, but we're doing it imperfectly. All of us are imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God. But my question to you this morning is, are you really following him? Are you even attempting to follow him? Jesus said man y'all calling me close y'all y'all calling me like like we're tight they, they see this this is the folk in in modern language they're, they're telling Jesus lord we, I'm ride or die you you I, I, I got you we're down but he knew they weren't I already told y'all stop believing in ride or die people there's like three ride or die people in your life and, and two of them already left you the third one is Jesus thank God for Jesus amen You don't have to believe it is true anyhow. But Jesus said, Don't call me close when you're not doing what I say. We got to learn to do what the Word says. If you want what the Bible says you can have, you got to do what it says to get it. Too many people expecting God's blessing without doing anything to receive it you can't grow apples without planting apple seeds you can't grow cucumbers without planting cucumber seeds you can't grow cucumbers without planting cucumber seeds and you can't grow in your faith without planting something right spiritually if we want to be healthy spiritually we got to learn how to do what he says don't sit around saying stuff like i don't know why the lord won't come through for me he already came through for us on the cross Don't sit around wondering when your ship is going to come in and why God's not blessing you if you are not blessing him. we got to learn how to get healthy spiritually so we can have. the. There's so many blessings that God has promised us, but we are canceling these blessings through disobedience. I want us to make sure that we are spiritually healthy when it comes to this biblical doctrine of baptism. The word baptism simply means dunked. Say dunked. It's, it's going under the water. Baptism is to be done biblically by immersion. I know there are different denominations and different faiths that do things differently. Some people splash water on you. Some people do infant baptism. Some people pour water on your head. I was christened as a baby into the Catholic Church. That was not a decision I made. The Scripture says that faith is a decision that the individual has to make. People have asked me, why don't we baptize infants at Abundant Life? We don't baptize babies because babies weren't baptized in the Bible. Everything we do here, we have to have a biblical reason for doing it. Baptism, though, was not uniquely Christian. Baptism had been being done by other faiths, other religions. When John the Baptist came along in the first century, he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And the reason why people were being baptized in that day and age should be the same reason why people are being baptized here. It was a sign of saying, I agree with your message. It was a co-signing on what was being said. If you believed the message and you wanted to attach yourself to the message, you would get baptized. And this is where we see early baptism in the first century in the New Testament church. It was a sign of accepting what was being said and identifying what was being said. I hope you accept the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope that you want to be identified with the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to clear up some bad doctrine for you real quick by asking some questions and providing the answer. Here's a question we all can talk about. Can you go to heaven? Because, will, will, will being baptized automatically send you to heaven? No, it will not. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Period. Always pause on the punctuation. It will help you understand what's being said. God saved you by his grace when you did what? Who saved you? What you have to do? God does the saving if you do the believing. Not just believe that, that Jesus was a human being, but believe his message. Believe in his death, burial. And resurrection. The Bible says God saved you by His grace when you believed, not when you got baptized. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not because you came to church. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not because you shook the preacher's hand or prayed a prayer. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not because you gave money to the church. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not because you were perfect and had all life figured out. God saved you by His grace when you believed, not because you were a wonderful person who kept the nursery, although you should. God saved you by his grace when you did what? Believe. believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Do you realize God gave you the faith to believe in him? Look at verse, what verse 9 says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You, you never, you're not going to get to heaven and tell God, hey, get out of the way and let me in. I, You know, I did it all right, so I deserve to be here. One one great witnessing tool, one great witnessing question is to ask your friends, your neighbors, your family, if you died today and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? And then you hear what they say, well, I'm a good person. Meh. Well, I was baptized. Man. Well, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Nah. Well, I, I was a preacher. Nah. My daddy laid the cornerstone on the big church downtown. Grandmama was a prophetess and founded the church. Nah. No. What, what God does the saving, and we do the what? Because I believe in Jesus. That's what's going to get you to heaven. But it can't just stop with belief. That's just the beginning. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question here. Uh, the Bible says that you should, you should believe in Jesus and be baptized. I may ask you this. Can you go to heaven without being baptized? Some people would differ with that. There's an entire denomination. Uh, well, there's actually several denominations that believe that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. The, the chief one of those is the Church of Christ. The, they baptize people in clothes. As soon as you walk out, prayer, prayer, they, they take you right over to the water. They throw you in the dunk hole with clothes on because they don't believe you can get saved without being baptized. But there's there's a problem with that. The Bible tells us a story about Jesus being on the cross and a thief being next to him. That thief had not been baptized, but when he asked Jesus to save him, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So how can the thief on the cross go to heaven without being baptized? And the Bible says that God does the same thing for everybody. He doesn't play favorites. Listen, you can go to heaven without being baptized, but I don't believe you can follow Christ properly without being baptized. He was an exception to what should be the norm. Here, here's a question When should someone get baptized? The answer is after salvation. Say after. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells a story about this Ethiopian eunuch who was riding in a chariot, and he was reading the Old Testament, and the Apostle Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Apostle Philip begins to teach him about Jesus, and the eunuch said, well, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? And the Apostle said, you can only be baptized if you believe in Jesus with your whole heart. See, this is why so many of us have been baptized more than once. You only really need to get baptized more than once if you did it the right way. I've been baptized more than once because the first time I did it, I didn't do it the right way. I was in about the third grade, and, and the preacher said, you know, if you don't want to go to hell, come on down front. And I'm like, you know, I ain't stupid. I just look this way. So I went on down front, and he said, pray this prayer, and you'll go to heaven. And I'm like, bet. So I prayed a prayer. He he said, "This morning we have little Scotty Becker coming by faith, and and he's prayed to receive Christ. As you rejoice in his decision, let it be known by saying Amen." And I said, "Amen." And he said, "Now you're saved." Like, okay. He said, "And now you got to get baptized." I said, "Okay," but it wasn't real salvation for me. It wasn't a real decision that I made. It was something that I was coerced into doing. It was something that I was. They played on my emotions as a young person and drug me down an aisle, grinding on a piano, telling me that I needed to do it. it wasn't my heart to do it. I just did it because other people were doing it. Truth be told, I did it because my sister did it. And she was older than me, and I typically just did whatever she told me to do, whether it was walking the aisle to, to get saved or getting baptized or whether when she turned me on to drugs at 13 years old and, and, and you know, left me off from being little Scotty Becker that walked the church aisle to being some dope addict on the west side. It happens, right? I I ain't the only one that ever been to jail in this room. Hallelujah. I ain't the only one that ever been strung out on drugs in this room. Amen. Are you glad God saves sinners? Hallelujah. So I, I got baptized when I was younger, but because that prayer and that shaking that hand and that getting baptized wasn't, wasn't real to me. It didn't change my life. The Bible says if you truly get saved, you'll become a new person, that old things will pass away and new things will come into your life. Nothing changed about me. When I got that walked that aisle and prayed that prayer, that baptism was just as bogus as that prayer I prayed. So later in life when I truly got saved, my pastor said, well, now you need to get baptized. And I'm like, I already did that. I got that box checked. I'm covered. He's like, well, didn't you just get saved? Yeah, I just got saved, but I got baptized, you know, years ago. He's like, well, that didn't count. I'm like, why didn't it count? I got wet. I'm <laughs> in front of all them people They held me under. And he taught me that the Scripture says that baptism is after salvation, after you believe in God with your whole heart. Listen to me good. Some of y'all need to get baptized next Sunday morning. Some of y'all need to get baptized next Sunday morning because you're not saved yet. You need to get saved today or sometime this week and get baptized Sunday morning. Some of y'all have gotten saved for real and never been baptized after you got saved for real. That old baptism is not helping you. Just like that old prayer was bogus, that old baptism is bogus and we need salvation. Let's look at our, our, we need salvation first, then baptism. We need proper doctrine. Let's look at our text in Colossians 2.6. The Bible says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. If you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you did that by faith. The Bible says that we receive him by faith faith. So just the same way you accepted him, you must continue to follow him. If you accepted him by faith, how do you follow him? You got to believe by faith for every step. You got to follow him because you believe that he is worth following. You have to follow him because you believe his way is better than our way you got to follow him because you believe that he's right even when it doesn't feel like it see this is where some people lose faith in god this is where some people go off and decide well it's not for me see god's right no matter what we think god's right no matter what our opinion is if god's word says something and i believe something else guess one of guess which one of us is wrong me If God's word teaches something and grandmama and them, the old church, former pastor, daddy's religion said, listen, nobody is right if they differ with the word of God. The word of God is always right. And we got to follow what Jesus teaches us by faith, believing that he will lead us in the right way. In verse 7, the scripture says, let your roots grow down into him. Now, here's when I want you to understand Symbolism, say symbol. You do not have literal roots growing out of your body. If you do, check yourself into a hospital. If you, listen. This, we're about to see some symbolic language. Much of the Bible is literal, and some of it is symbolic, and we've got to discern rightly which is which. This is obviously literal because we don't have roots growing down into Jesus. Where Jesus at? I want to throw, let's, Don't throw roots on nobody. Some of y'all, that's a different message for a different time. Stay out of certain shops in Savannah, leave New Orleans alone altogether, and, 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 and only visit Tampa for, for football and baseball. Amen. Heavy voodoo in those three places. We don't have literal roots. We can't grow literally, physically into Jesus. This is symbolic. It says, and let your lives be built on him. This is all obviously symbolic language. The next sentence says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow With thankfulness, so much here. I want—I'm not going to take time to hit on all of it because I I want us to get done. But the Bible says, "Then." When is then? Then is always after. After you begin to grow, you begin to put roots down. After you realize I got to build my life on Jesus, not on myself, not on my education, not on religion, but on Jesus. Then, after you've done that first sentence, then your faith will grow. Strong. The reason why some people's faith isn't growing strong, because they haven't grown deep in Jesus. They're not building their life on Jesus. They're trying to be good people. They're trying church. They're they're doing their own thing. Listen, if you're still doing your own thing, you need to find a new thing. His Bible says, let your life be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. See, some people have been taught the truth, but their faith never grew strong because they weren't building their life on Jesus, But when your faith grows strong in the truth you were taught, then you will overflow with thankfulness. I want to see if you're listening. This is more like a Wednesday night Bible study. I'm trying to get something out of y'all this morning. Look at the last sentence. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, comma. So that's talking about faith being strong. The next phrase says, and you will overflow with thankfulness. What is the one word that proves out that your faith is strong according to this scripture? i give you a hint. It's the last word on the screen. Thankfulness. Your faith is not strong if you're not thankful. If you're a griper and a complainer, you have weak faith to no faith. If you don't have thankfulness outflowing from you then you don't have strong faith because when you really begin to get your mind set right on God when you really begin to get your faith built on Jesus Christ you're going to strengthen in your faith and it's going to be visible through thankfulness you want to check see where you're at spiritually because you have to do self-examination if you want to get healthy people who are dieting know how much they weigh they just do. Now, some of y'all, if you, if you get like me, you can just make peace with your fat. It don't matter if I'm 215, 211. Now, to somebody who's checking in every Tuesday at Weight Watchers, oh, they know. They got to write it down. It's just like if you get serious about getting in the gym, working out. You know how much you can bench press. Listen, I don't know how much I can bench press, but I know I got a strong pimp hand. Okay, I mean, listen, if you are serious about getting better in some area, you need to know where you're at. So where are you at spiritually? Well, I'm not sure, Pastor. Well, I got a check for you. How thankful are you? What other people hear coming out of your mouth? Griping, complaining, bitterness, negativity? Or do they hear, thank you, Jesus? You need to get in the habit of walking around saying, thank you, Jesus. Now, some people have, you know, taken it to an extreme, either through, you know, mental health problems or just through church upbringing. Uh, you know, S-S-Sister, Sister Mabel comes to mind. Every church needed to have a Sister Mabel. If you didn't have if Sister Mabel, if you didn't know her name, she was the lady sitting in church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all didn't have Sister Mabel in y'all's church? Claire hey they thank you, thank you, ha, whoa, hey, ha, hey, huh? Everybody's like, what is she doing? Well, she's doing what the scripture says to do. She might be mixing that with some mental health issue. Or she just may really be overcome with Thanksgiving. Her faith might just be so much stronger than everybody else in the room that she just has what we need to get. But you need to learn how to say thank you, Jesus, out of your mouth. Here's what I hear people say, oh, God, oh, God. You know that's blasphemy? It is. You're taking God's name in a disrespectful way. Instead of saying whatever your go-to phrase is, you need to learn how to make thank you, Jesus, your go-to phrase. And not in mockery, but in reality. Got laid off, thank you, Jesus. For, for, I'm not thanking God that I got laid I'm thanking God that I'm still in my right mind. I didn't shoot that place up when they fired me. Because, you know, we could go there we got to depend on God to keep us straight. But your faith's not growing strong until you're full of thankfulness. If you're not there yet, keep growing. Look at somebody say, keep growing. In verse 8, the Bible says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. <laughs> That's the majority of what's going on in the world today. A bunch of nonsense that comes from human thinking. Preachers preaching what they want to preach, not what the Bible says. People believe in what they want to believe, not what the Bible says. That's these people that check their box on, on social media. I'm spiritual but not religious. No, you flaky and unsaved. You need Jesus. You got some, some high-sounding. Oh, that sounds good. To you. I'm spiritual. I'm, I'm in touch with my inner. You're just all a bunch of nonsense that came from your own mind. Look at the last four words. Rather than from Christ. We need to get our philosophy, we need to get our religious concepts not from some high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. We got people that think they can connect to God in all different types of ways. I've heard people say every road leads to the same God. Every road doesn't lead to the same God. Jesus said, I'm the only way you can get to the Father. Christianity is an exclusive group by design. Look at what verse 9 says. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. This is why they crucified Jesus, because he claimed that he was God in the flesh. Long speech, sermon for a different time, believe the word. Verse 10 says, so you're also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. The Bible says that Jesus is the head over every ruler and authority. This is talking about every, say every. This is spiritual. This is natural. Rulers. What what do we have in America? Well, I don't want anybody to answer out loud because it might not go well. We have a president. (laughs) Some people can say the same thing about the last one or the one before that one. Or the one before that one, or the three, four, five, twelve before that one. But whether you were a fan of any of these dudes, now I've got my own theory. I believe they're all bogus, and and the only thing they want is re-election. Uh, I I'm, I I don't look to any government leader to bring me salvation, and I I believe what the Bible says, Jesus is the head over every ruler. Gee, Donald Trump may be sitting in the White House, but I'm still trusting in Jesus for everything I need. And we would all do well to do the same. Verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, comma. Well, did you? When you came to Christ. This is assuming that you came to Christ. He said, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, comma but not by physical procedure. See, we're back in symbolic language here. You weren't really circumcised when you came to Christ, uh, not physically. Now, this, these people were, I mean, they were hardcore followers in the Old Testament. Grown men, when you decided you want to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they'd they say, there's a rock, put it up on there, let me let me just saw on it. They didn't have surgical instruments. They said, just throw it up there and let me let me cut it with a sharp rock. I don't believe we'd get a lot of people following that. That's just my opinion. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And, and they were serious about it. But circumcision then was the cutting away of unnecessary flesh. That's what circumcision is. It's the cutting away of unnecessary flesh, flesh that doesn't have a function. And the Bible says that spiritually that's what's happened to us. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision on us, the cutting away of our sinful nature. So even as it was in the Old Testament, it still is in the New Testament. What is the mark of God's covenant? Circumcision. Well, every believer is not a man. So how do women get circumcised? They get circumcised spiritually. How do New Testament followers get circumcised? We get circumcised spiritually. Half the men in the room are like, I'm glad it's spiritual. God wants to cut away your unnecessary flesh. Flesh represents worldly living. Flesh represents not following God. God wants you to do away with your unnecessary flesh, male or female. I preached a message one time about circumcision. Uh, I got a lot of negative feedback on it because people had their children in the room, but kids need to know the truth too. But I preached a message about throw it away and don't play with it. And when men in the Old Testament were circumcised, That was a piece of them laying on that rock. But they didn't pick it up and put it in their pocket and say, I'm going to hold on to this just for later down the road. When God cuts away your unnecessary flesh, you're supposed to throw it away. If you claim that you're saved, you need to let God cut some things away from you and not hold on to it. You don't need to play with your flesh. You don't need to keep little pieces of you that God wants to deliver from you. When we become Christians, the Bible says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised spiritually. God cut away your sin nature. Verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. All right, so here's the thing. You come to Christ, He does the spiritual circumcision on you. Then it says, you get baptized. And it says you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. How many people have been baptized? How many people have been buried in the same hole Jesus was buried in? Now, three people raise their hand. They're like, I'm, I'm Holy Ghost filled. I keep my hand up. No, this is symbolic. Say symbol. Symbolically, when you get baptized, it's a statement that you're saying of just like Jesus died. In, in his life, I'm dying to my old way of life. It goes on and says, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Baptism is a symbol. It's a visual illustration. When you go down into the water, that's you saying, I, I'm, I'm giving up my old way. When you get, go under the water, that's you saying, I'm dead to my old way. When you come up out of the water, this is you declaring to God and everybody watching, I'm living a new life now. I got a change. I got a new life in Christ. Just like he was raised from the dead, I'm coming up as a new person. Now, it's important that we realize you have this new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. That's faith. Not because you got baptized, not because you went to church, not because you paid tithes and offerings, but because you trusted the mighty power of God. Baptism is required for fellowship, it's not required for salvation. You need to get saved, but then you need to get baptized. Look at verse 13. He says, "For you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away." Now, before we came to Christ, we weren't dead. It literally but we were dead on the inside we weren't dead literally but our spirit was not alive we got to come alive to christ we were all dead the bible says in our sins because our sinful nature was not yet cut away then god made you alive with christ for he forgave all your sins This is real Christianity. If you don't understand this verse right here, you have not laid hold of Christianity yet. If you don't realize that you used to be dead in your sins, but you came alive in God because he forgave all your sins, you don't get the new birth process. If you never had an experience, see, all real Christians have a similar testimony when they get saved. They all say the same type of stuff. It's like, Pastor Scott, I just felt like the weight of the world was lifted off me. I I just felt like I'd come alive. I I just felt like everything was new. Yes, that's what Christianity is. If you haven't had that experience, then you need to get real Christianity. Great news. Verse 14 says, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. What did they actually nail to the cross? Jesus. Jesus bore our sins in his body. Now, this is symbolic speech, but he took our sin for us so that we didn't have to pay the price. But you need to die to your old way of life because Galatians 2.20, the apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Was he literally crucified the same time Jesus was? Do like this. No, he was not. But symbolically, he understood I died spiritually the same way he died physically. He says this, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. As a Christian, you ought to be able to say that. If you see anything good in me, it's not me. It's Jesus living through me because the me is still in me. And I still got a strong pimp hand. The you is still in you, and you still got what you got but you need to let Christ live in you. If you've never been truly saved, he's not living in you, and that can't happen. So this is talking for Christians. He said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, the only thing keeping me alive right now is my belief in Christ. The life I'm living now is based on my belief in Christ. Let's tie this whole baptism thing up, and we'll be done. The Scripture teaches that we died, Spiritually, we were buried spiritually and were raised to walk in a new life. Romans 6, 4 says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. That's figurative language. It's not literal. It's symbolic. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Here's the hope of every real Christian. We want to live new lives. We want to live a new life. Because we realized that old life wasn't getting us there. If you are so proud of who you are, you probably will never come to Christ because you don't realize how much you need a new life. But every real Christian came to a point where they decided, I can't do this anymore. I need something different. I need something better. I need something newer. I need Jesus. So now we're living this new life, but this new life comes from following what Jesus teaches us. Last question I'm going to ask, why should someone get baptized? You could have a bunch of reasons for that. You could give a bunch of answers for that. But the answer that I like best, why should someone be baptized? Because Jesus was. You want to follow Jesus? You got to do what he did. You want to follow Jesus? You got. You, you, he, he gave us an example. He was baptized. I'm going to give you about five more verses. We're going to we'll be out of here in ten minutes. I'm going to be done in ten minutes. Matthew three thirteen. then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized of John. Why did Jesus go to Galilee? To be baptized of John. Look at verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> this, is what, this is what followers do. Jesus comes and says, I need you to baptize me. John wants to argue. Listen, don't argue with the Lord. Just do what he says. See, we're still arguing with the Lord now. God says, pay the tithe. Oh, well, I can't do that. I'll go broke. God said, "Love your neighbor." You're like, well, e- e- even even the president. God said, "Love, lo- love, love everybody," and you're like, well, what about it? we still argue? With God, he tells us what to do, and we want to try to check him. Listen, you can't check the Lord. You can try, but you'll fail in that. He's always right. John tried to talk him out of it, and John said, look, I'm the one who needs to be baptized of you, so why are you coming to me? John's like, if either one of us needs to be, we need to switch roles. You, you, you're, you're more spiritual than I am. Uh, I need something from you in verse 15, but Jesus said it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. If you look at that verse in the middle, Jesus said it should be done. He's talking about baptism. Baptism should be done. Why? Because we must carry out all that God, what, requires. God requires baptism. Jesus told John, I get what you're saying, John. you you, you being humble right now, telling me that you don't, feel worthy to baptize me, but I got to get baptized. Why? Because God requires baptism, even from Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to get baptized because God requires baptism. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to get baptized and go under the water, even if you don't want to get your weave messed up. You got to go under the water, even if I can't get my hair wet. You got to. Jesus got his hair wet. I can't let them people see me look like a drowned rat, Reverend. If you look like a drowned rat with your hair wet, guess what you look like with your hair dry? An undrowned rat with dry hair. I'm just telling you. It's required. Say required. So John agreed. I wish we could fall into that John spirit today. Jesus told him what to do, even though John didn't want to do it. He agreed. Jesus told John what to do. It didn't make a lot of sense to John, but he did it because Jesus said so. I told y'all I was raised with a good mom. She had her issues, but she taught me some valuable lessons that have helped me in my christianity and i believe the number one thing she taught me was that she wasn't going to have discussions with me over what she's told me to do and i told y'all don't be don't be negotiating with these terrorists but why but why don't throw that can in the, in the grocery store son but why well because they don't like it when you throw the grocery can in the grocery store but why because then they have to come clean up the can in the grocery store after you throw it. But why? Because somebody could trip and fall on the can after you throw it. But why? Because some people are just clumsy. Stop negotiating with that boy. Don't throw the can in the grocery store, son. But why? That's why. Because I said so. You need to learn followship. Followship does not require understanding. Followship does not require logical processing. Followship does not require figuring it out. Listen, this is how military people make great followers of Christ, and, and it, it, even even some corporate people. How many? Well, I don't want you to raise hand because your boss might be in the room. But if you've been alive, if you had more than two jobs, you probably worked for somebody dumber than you. If you were in in the military, you surely worked for somebody dumber than you. But when they told you to do it, you did it. Why? Because they said so. We need to learn how to be proper followers of Jesus Christ, just like John did it. John John said, I don't want to do it. Jesus said, but you have to because God requires it. So John agreed to it. I wonder this morning, can you agree to what the Lord is commanding? Of you in verse 16, the Bible says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water. Now, if he came up out of the water, guess what he had to do? Think his hair got wet? Listen, let me help some of y'all because we've had this happen before. We've had wigs float off in the baptismal water. (laughs) If your wig. Is now firmly attached to your head, it's gonna come off. Get you a hairpin, tighten them extensions down, do what you gotta do. Jesus came up out of the water because he went down into the water. So, guess what we gotta do? We gotta go down into the water and come up out of the water. This is biblical baptism. And here is the result. I said all that to get to this. Tune back in. Don't miss this. I've told you for years, if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. If you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Because if you do what others did, you can get what others got. Look what Jesus got. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Was it a dove? No, but it was like a dove. It was the Spirit of God. The heavens were opened up over Jesus, and the Spirit of God came and settled on him. Well, didn't Jesus already have the Spirit of God? Absolutely he did. Wasn't Jesus already anointed? Absolutely, he was. He he was God in the flesh. But here's what happens when you get baptized. God opens heaven over you, and he anoints you in a special way. He touches you, and he sets down on your life. Man, if you believe the Bible, you ought to want to get baptized all over again just to get the heavens opened up over you, just to have God just come down and set down on you in a real kind of way verse 17 says "And a voice from heaven said this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy this is one of the reasons why I love to do baptismal services in church because I know there are very few of us that follow God as much as we should we agree on that we don't follow God all the time We don't do right all the time. We don't make God proud of us all the time. But when you go under the water and you come up out of the water, God looks at you and says, I'm so proud of you. You've done just what I wanted you to do. I don't believe that there'll ever be a time when you're more like Jesus than when you come up wet out of that water and God opens heaven up over you. And says, you bring me joy. See, every good child wants daddy to be happy with them. See, it, so, so, some of us don't have dad daddy. I never had a father in my life. Some of you are close to, to daddy and daddy's gone on. And if you could, you could have him back one more time, you'd want to do something to make him smile. Some of you still got daddy with you and you love your father and you want him to be proud of you. Many of us don't, but if you have a heavenly father. You ought to want to make God happy with you. I want to bring God joy in my life. If I felt this biblically appropriate, I'd just get baptized every week. Because I want God to say, this is my boy, and he brings me great joy. Listen, if you're here and you're not saved, God wants to save you. You say, well, what I got to do? Believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. If you can believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you can believe God raised you from the dead. And if you can put faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God will give you new life. The Bible says that as many as received him, he gives them the power to become a child of God. If you've never become a child of God, see, nobody's been saved forever except Jesus. People say, I've always been a Christian. That's not true. There's got to be a time and a place where you become a child of God. Some of you need to let that happen today. If you've never been born again, you don't need to walk an aisle. I'm not going to have you come down here, raise hands and do all that. If, you, if you're not right with God, the Bible says if you'll confess your sins to him, he will forgive you of your sins. If you're not saved, the Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. Guess what you need to do after you get saved? You need to get baptized. Some of you have been baptized more than once. That's okay. Some of you walked out, prayed a prayer to get saved more than once. I can remember there was a time in my life when the children's church pastor, he was giving an invitation every week, and he came to me and said, Pastor Scott, your kids keep coming for salvation every week. Do you want me just to keep praying with them to be saved? I said, yeah, pray with them every time they come because there will come a time where they get it for real and they'll never feel a need to do that again. If you still feel a need to get saved, then you ought to get saved. That's not the devil trying to confuse you. That's God trying to draw you. If you feel a need to get right with God, you just need to pray and ask God to save you. It's not worth it to be 99% sure and lose out. You need to be 100% sure. The Scripture says God wrote these things to us that we could know that we are saved. I hope you know that you're saved. If you're not saved, salvation is easy for us. It was hard for Jesus, but it's easy for us. All we have to do is pray and ask God to save us, and he said he will. You might say, well, Pastor Scott, I prayed before and did all that, and I still don't feel saved. Why? Different reasons. Maybe it wasn't your time. Maybe you weren't really ready as you thought you were. Maybe you didn't meet the criteria. That God laid out to Jeremiah. He said that if you search for me with your whole heart, see, I did all those things in third grade, but I didn't really get saved because I wasn't searching for God with everything inside me. And if you're not searching if you haven't searched for God with everything inside you, you hadn't been saved yet. But if you're ready to really be all that God wants you to be, all you got to do is pray and ask Him to save you. And then you need to get baptized. We're going to have a baptism service next Sunday morning. I want you to come. Bring some shorts. Bring a t-shirt. Listen, I I've had some. It's only the swole dudes walk like this. Pastor Scott, do have to wear a shirt to get baptized? Yeah, we don't want the women lusting after you. You're so hot. <laughs> Br- you you don't even have to bring shorts. You can bring full pants. Whatever you feel comfortable getting wet in, bring something to sit in, bring something to change in to get wet. Or just sit in what you're going to get wet in. Bring a towel to dry off on. We need to do what God called us to do. He said, don't, call, don't keep calling me, your Lord, if you're not doing what I said. I just, I just want to kind of get an idea. If you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I believe in Jesus, and I ain't been, saved, I ain't been baptized since, since I got saved for real. Or I'm planning on getting saved for real today or tomorrow. And, and if you're here and you say, I really believe I'm going to show up Sunday to get baptized. Anybody going to show up Sunday to get baptized? Let me see your hands. All right, all right. Anybody else? Okay. All right. I want you to get your mind right, and I want you to do all that God requires of you. We're going to have a celebration for you next Sunday, and we're going to cheer you on in your new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you for Your word that teaches us what you would have us to do. I thank you, God, that you save us by faith and that you told us to keep following you by faith. Lord, I pray, God, for each person who raised their hand that they truly will come and be baptized next Sunday. Lord, I pray for those that didn't raise their hand that should have, Lord. I pray for every person right now that you're even convicting in their heart of their need to be baptized. Lord, for people who've made salvation decisions but haven't been baptized since then, God, I pray that you would just let them show up, Lord, and celebrate, and let us celebrate with them biblical baptism. Thank you, God, for dying for us and being raised from the dead. God, I pray that you would help us to follow you in this symbolic way of bearing our old life and coming alive to the new life. In Jesus, we love you. We thank God for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.